two in. Let's go. Uh, Sergio is not here today. He's caught up at work in his new job. He works for some company making deliveries. That's all I'll say about it. Um, but you always got to uh, deliver an equal or greater value when you make a substitution. And there's only one person to call when I need a sub for Sergio, when I need to tag out. Uh, that is Mark Malara, the great Mark Malara, a friend of the show, savior of the show. Um, the man himself, he's here. He's waiting for me to stop this intro. I'm keeping the intro going. I don't know why. Mark, what's going on this morning? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped already, literally and figuratively, because I just finished working out in my garage, so I'm ready to go. Oh, that's what I was waiting for? Well, oh, shit. All right, well, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. We're, uh, you know, I get the swell on. Every every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes uh, out of pure boredom, I do it on the weekend too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to help out, and you know, I, I kind of went through some of you know. We'll get into that later, but uh, I was happy to to delve into particular, uh, you know, New Japan and and, and NXT specifically uh, as you asked me to, and I'm, I'm glad I did because there was some really good stuff. All right. Well, that's not par for the course in wrestling. It's so bad that, um, you know, normally my uh, blood gets pumping uh, with hatred and that counts as my cardio for the day. Um, So maybe it'll work for you. Uh, So, you know, speaking of Sergio and deliveries, Sergio is normally the person that delivers the news of the week. But I guess that's going to be me this week. Uh, But before I talk about anything new, which there's not much, I'll be honest. Um, So, of course, Last week, we talked about Pat Patterson. Unfortunately, we lost Pat Patterson. Um, I thought of you, but it was too short notice to get any comments from you because we found out like right that morning as we were getting ready to go on. Uh, but I'd like to ask if you had anything that you wanted to say or did you have any experiences with Pat or, uh, or anything like that that you want to get out there? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying that he was a hugely influential, uh, well, I'd say, you know, performer, uh, you know, actual wrestler for many years. Uh, But really, I think what he'll be, his legacy and what he'll be known for uh, was was all of his work backstage at WWE, you know, being a kind of instrumental person, at least in the um, mid-90s, essentially writing um, the shows with Vince um, and, and Bruce and I'd say he probably Michael Hayes at some point um, and you know uh, instrumental in all those Royal Rumbles that we that we come to love you know the the, the kind of pacing and and those spots that really you know are, are so memorable uh, we, we owe that to Pat Patterson so you know a huge titan uh, if you will uh, falling uh, I did deal with him uh, here and there. He was on the road, I would say, uh, I'd say at least every other uh, week, every other go around. Um, I, I saw him, I'd say, pretty frequently. Uh, you know, he, um, yeah, I'd say he's mostly mostly professional. I mean, one time, uh, though, while I was showing him the script, he he did manage one of those. Um, it's like something you'd only see like in a Hollywood movie, like in the fifties where someone was hitting on somebody and they, uh, like a man, actually I was watching Deadwood and, and one of the characters did this to 
Kristen Bell's character. She's showing him something and he kind of like runs his hand on her hand as she's showing him something. And it was very like awkward, you know, in Deadwood. But Pat Patterson did this to me while I was showing him a script. And I was just like staring at my own hand as his hand is putting is 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 gently, you know, over mine. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to catering. Uh so just, you know, um, the good with the bad, you know. Well, uh, he was a big fan of ribs, and um, <laughs> he's a fan of some other body parts too, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but you know, that's just a funny memory that I have. That, frankly, if I was telling a story about JBL, I'd, I'd say, you know, some of the crazier things that he did because I feel like, you know, in this world, you, it's, it's wrong when people that when people pass away to just completely whitewash their whole lives. And we, we know that he was embroiled in, in some weird shit at, at one point. So, you know, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, nobody's perfect, but I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Not even. Yeah. Except Mr. Perfect. Well, except um, Mr. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So. Other, than, other than him though. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, you're going to get a lot of that whitewashing. Um, you're going to get a lot of that covering up and stuff like that. I chose not to talk anything about it. Um, but you know, if you're in, if you're in the business in specifically dealing with the WWE, you hear those, you hear those kind of things, but I'll leave it to everybody else to look into that however much they want to. But, um, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, let's face it. You were the uh, prettiest, uh, writer, you know, that he probably ever, uh, well, yeah, I hesitate I mean, to say come across, but uh, yeah, I mean, truth be told, uh, even Taz had once commented, uh, and I'm sure that, that since I was there, there have been plenty of you know guys who who took uh, exercising and, and that and, you know no. to importance, but oh no, 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 uh, no one. not one. Okay, all right. Well, Taz though had once said that. I think maybe I mentioned that in a previous episode that. He was like, well, look at this fucking guy. At least this guy actually has a physique. I'm like, you mooks. You know, and all these these poor guys sitting in the room. I was like, great. That'll that'll ingratiate me well with, with the crew. Thanks, Taz. Uh, but, yeah. Um, well, it, do you want to pretend that JBL has died and tell a story? or? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, it, it's right, more right. that, like, you can say all the good things about somebody, but you might as well throw in the ones that are, that are pretty funny or awkward or whatever too, because it just adds color to it. And, you know, Pat, you know, he wasn't the only one. I mean, shit, I had like, uh, D'Angelo De Niro or whatever, Elijah Burke, like, the Pope I Daddy. I, yeah, I think he was, he used to like, I had my, my dress shirt on my button down and, uh, I didn't like to wear a tie. And he would see the chest hair uh, uh, coming out of the top, and he fucking pull it. And I'm like, that's completely unprofessional and strange to do to another human being. Uh, but I was not in a position to. It wasn't certainly not going to go to to the boss and say, hey, <laughs> you know. But that's 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 the that's the world there, you know. And you've got to, you know, stand up for yourself, and which I did in the moment. But but I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna sell it if you will, because that is the worst thing to do in those, those environments. Get your hands off me, Pope. Yeah. I was like, only Sylvan Grenier can do that. <laughs> Another close friend of Pat Patterson. So, yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, 
Yeah. So uh, yeah, Pat Patterson. Cool. Cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's see. Let's go to the news. Oh, big news. Big news, Mark. You must have seen this. Uh, the man had a girl. Um, Becky Lynch yeah. welcomed a daughter into the world, uh, along with Seth Rollins. I guess he was probably there. I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, I guess her name is uh, Rue. As in R O U X. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't really. Mm. What does that mean? Is that like red or something? Is I don't like think some so. Sort of. What 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 is the what is the meaning of that name? I don't anyway. think it's red because it's it's more. Yeah, it's not. Well, uh, like R-O-U-L-X. like maybe in some language, I don't know. Yeah. R O U L X. No, no, just just an X. There's no L. R O U X. Yeah. Oh man, I typed that in. It's a flour and fat cooked together and used to thicken sauces. That's not oh. a good name. Oh well, depending <laughs> depending on what you're into, could be a good name. True. Oh, okay. If you love soup, if you if you enjoy a good soup, then I think it's it's a good name. Maybe yeah. she'll become a chef. Um, maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's really nothing else to say about that. Uh, that was just kind of a. So, I mean, it is news, I guess. You know? Sure. She, 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 in the, at the height of her career, she said, oh, I'll just have a kid now and yeah. walked away. And um, that's, that's cool. You know, whatever you want to do. Uh, she's not getting any younger. Um, she's right at that, you know, uh, right at that premium age, like right around 30. So had to do it sometime. And, um, I don't know how much longer she'll be gone. Like, you know, once you have the baby, like, uh, you know, how, how long do you decide you want to be a mom before you go back to wrestling? I, I don't, you know, a year, two months. I don't know. What, what is it? I don't know. But uh, that's for her to decide. But um, anyways, um, moving on. Here's a little funny item. I don't think we ever covered anything about this because it was, it was probably too trivial. But it does, like, as I was going over it, I thought it sounded kind of funny. And since there's nothing else, um, I thought I'd kind of bring it up. Um it says it's about a lawsuit, okay, that the WWE just settled. Uh, and some guy um, claimed that he was being denied equal access to their WWE shop. Okay, so, okay. so <laughs> yeah, so, th- so this is what makes it funny. Okay, um, the, the man's name is Josue Romero. And this was back in October. He filed a lawsuit. Um, Southern District of New York. Hey, New York. Hey, hey. Uh, and uh, so so the lawsuit was alleging that the WWE violated the Americans with Disabilities Act with their merchandise website. All right. So so um, here's here's the note from the file, uh, which quote: Romero is a visually impaired and legally blind person who requires screen reading software to read website content using his computer. End quote. So because the shop WWE.com website is not equally accessible to blind and visually impaired consumers uh, is in violation of the um, Americans with Disabilities Act. So he's, he's, he was asking them, the WWE, that is, uh, to change the, you know, to basically fix the website uh, so that blind people can uh, have it read to them, I guess. Um, and he wanted, uh, 
he wanted a jury trial and he wanted his legal costs covered uh in this and so um it's being reported that um the wwe settled the lawsuit out of court wow for an an undisclosed amount um which you know what could that have been like (sighs) a lot of money i'm sure uh usually when that happens it's you know it's undisclosed and that's why well exactly but i'm just thinking um you have to look at in terms of like usually things like this are because of like some sort of a hardship you know like it's like i'm missing out on you're missing out on what 28 dollar black t-shirts with white letters on them that you couldn't you couldn't buy them so you couldn't have anybody else buy them for you or if you can't see the merchandise, then how are you supposed to enjoy the merchandise once it's been purchased? Well, you know, it's about, it's a, it's art. It's a art that you wear on your body that you tell other people who you are. So it's, he doesn't have to see it. kind of think he should want to see it, though. <laughs> I um, agree. Look, look, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, this is a good, um, you could you could go around and find a lot of websites that, that don't, um, you know, use this software or use this, have this ability. Um, yeah, I think I clearly think he just wanted free merch. Yeah. But then he got more than that. Yeah. But he, he could, he might've, he might've just undisclosed, you know, his undisclosed amount might've been paid in merch. Like he said, well, you guys don't have to pay me the money. You could just give me that, um, you know, that custom, uh, Bray Wyatt, the fiend championship belt. I'll, I'll call it even, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but this isn't this isn't like a a case of where like he's losing he's losing out because of his blindness. Like, oh, I couldn't order everything I wanted because I was blind, and then everyone else bought all the merchandise. There's plenty of merchandise, so it's just a it's just a very weird kind of thing. However, I must say that I am all in favor of anybody suing WWE and taking them for anything they've got at this point. Um, and he should consider himself lucky to be legally blind so that he doesn't have to watch uh, the product. Although I can only imagine like the hellish uh, experience that would be only listening to a WWE broadcast. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So well, um, WWE's got the money that we know. So maybe it was ultimately a better move. Um, yeah, maybe if, if, uh, he hadn't passed away, maybe they would have furloughed Pat Patterson to get this guy some merch. There you go. Uh, okay. Um, this isn't really wrestling news, but it's a little bit, uh, wrestling adjacent. Uh, and it's because we've talked about some of this stuff, uh, you and, and I and Sergio on the show here. Um, but, uh, so Vice TV is going to have two new document docu series um, that are spun off of the Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, so we're going to get Dark Side of the Football, which I think that sounds funny when you say it like that. Dark Side of the Football, um, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 the, like the football has like an innocent side and a dark side, like a football yeah. itself, uh, and and Dark Side of the Nineties. Um, which, I mean, I didn't know that, that 
that that was a particularly interesting period that had a dark side unlike any other decade yeah or or just the fact that anybody thought like oh no the 90s were all positive (laughs) yeah exactly there was never any anything wrong in the 90s yeah i just had the Um, menendez brothers and oj simpson uh spice girls uh (laughs) yes all happy things yeah man um so yeah so they're gonna be uh so they're going to be airing. Now, that's not that big of a deal in and of itself. Um, I don't think I'll be watching either. Well, I might check out that 90s one just to see. But if I if I yeah. do see that, of course, the first episode is about O.J. Simpson, I'm like, okay, well, everyone in the world saw enough of that when it was brand new. And they've also seen enough of it in the past couple of years with all these movies, miniseries, documentaries, and all this other stuff. And I'll be nice to see about O.J. Simpson anymore. Um, but I might just see what else they throw on there. But... Um, I thought it was interesting to note that it was because of the success of Dark Side of the Ring that these things came about, and um, the Dark Side of the Ring was actually the highest rated show on Vice TV ever. Yeah. Um, and it's like these these numbers here in the in the official press release, um, <laughs> they're saying um, season two crushed all previous viewership records for vice TV, finishing with a growth of 73% among 18 to 49 viewers and 52% among, uh, what is this P two plus viewers? Um, what does the P stand for? Mm, I don't know. Two. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, um, but, but they also said that, the best overall series that they had uh, was outperformed by Dark Side of the Ring um, by 77% with the uh, 18 to 49 demographic and by 108% with whatever the P2 Plus is. Is is that the um, two pluses? I think that's like two days after recording on a DVR. I think that's what that means. Yeah, probably. So... I just don't know what the actual P means. Um, so yeah, so that that was it's it's interesting when something like that. And if you hear the story about the guys that uh, that made the Dark Side of the Ring, they had to, you know, they had to really convince a Vice to even do the show. And they had already, I think, gone out of their own pocket for some of the stuff. Like they'd gone around and got some interviews and everything, and they were trying to sell it. And they're just like, I don't know, um, you know, wrestling. I don't know, uh, which is a common Hollywood thing, I would say, right? You yep. speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So then, of course, as soon as there any sniff of success, then everybody starts, you know, licking boots and like, oh yeah, yeah, we uh, we've always been a big fan of wrestling, and right. we're ha- happy that's part of our, you know, content uh, umbrella, shit like that. So. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's sort of undeniable. Uh, you know, I thought season two, for even episodes that didn't even really have a dark side per se, or at least were, you know, uh, kind of run of the mill wrestling story, uh, were still at least entertaining. And I can see why there's an appetite. So we'll see if if they're able to dredge up uh, some of the things from the nineties that uh, are eluding me at least in terms of, uh, I mean, I guess that could really happen for any decade. That's the weird thing. Oh, absolutely. 
um, yeah, well, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see what else what else happens. Um, let's see. Moving on. Um, that's pretty much all the news I have. Unless you heard anything interesting. No, I mean, unless I mean, you'll you'll be getting to the Kenny Omega piece, which is, I guess, partly news and related to the content. Yes, yes, I will get to that uh, shortly. Well, as a matter of fact, um, I'll sort of get to it now. So, um, there's nothing to really talk about dark. Um, I just basically go in there and I, well, hmm, let me think. Let me re- let me rethink that. Uh, what happened on Dark? Marco Stunt sang a song on Britt Baker's interview show. Um, and Danny Jordan had a match. And the Acclaimed made fun of another jobber tag team. That's basically what I look for every week. And all those things happen. So uh, nothing uh, amazing. So we'll just go right into, I'll cruise right into Dynamite. Which, Mark, you did not watch Dynamite. Did not watch Dynamite. And who could blame you? Uh, but if you were ever to watch one, oh boy, this might have been the one to watch. This is the winter is coming episode. You know, they actually uh, paid for the the rights to use that phrase, I guess. So, really? Interesting. Mm, yeah. So it's, um, and I have a bunch of notes here I won't go through because it doesn't really matter. Um, we'll just get to the main point. So I want to say it was either last week or the week before when I was discussing with Sergio uh how the WWE doesn't even try to do anything surprising or monumental or those moments and what made me think of it or initially was you know um I was listening to 83 weeks and they were talking you know they were reminiscing on Eric Bischoff being on raw uh you know like on, back in 2002 or whenever that was or 2003 whatever um and uh and like how that seemed like a pretty shocking surprise and, and a and a big deal then. Um and I was just like, when do they ever even when do they ever do anything like that anymore? They almost never do anything. They don't even try. There's things that they could do, and you don't have to do one every day. Like I get it. Um, but you would, you know, everyone always talks about how it's you know it it Oh, it's a business and it's about making money and all this other stuff. And everybody says that whenever they do things like, you know, release a bunch of longtime employees. Um, but they never talk about it when, you know, Otis is carrying like a lunchbox around with the money in the bank contract. No one ever talks about how it's a business then, you know, when they're just fucking literally jerking off on television uh, and, and ribbing people. So, you know, I was lamenting that. Um but here's the chance uh, where or even worse than that, like, um, I don't know if you got a chance to see the uh, the Undertaker thing at Survivor Series. Yeah, I watched a bit of that. Yeah. OK, so um, I'll ask you, what the fuck was that supposed to be? Uh, his farewell we're referring to, like, yes. when he just. That twenty minute, that twenty minutes of well, first there was fifteen minutes of guys walking out to the ring to just stand there, and then disappear as soon as the you know they played a video package, you know, and the, with well, the Godwins and in, in, uh, overalls and shit. I just think it's more of the self indulgent stuff, not unlike you know when they stop a, a, a Monday Night Raw episode and say, um, you know, the WWE is viewed by more than. 
300 million uh, people yeah. or, you know, whatever, like one of those strange statistics that just puts yeah. yourself over. It just feels like one of those, let's just drag this out, you know, because, you know, we're, we're trying to make a meal of this. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, fortunately for me, when it comes to these things, I end up seeing these very condensed versions because it's just like some video that somebody ripped and put on Instagram. So, you know, the, 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 the thing I'm seeing is takers, uh, kind of final promo and then the the paul bear uh, uh be, be honest that was corny wasn't it i thought it was corny just because it's never gonna look great and it's not like the tupac one where we just saw this strange image and we're like wait a second <laughs> that tupac on stage hey you know or i think they did it with ronnie james dio as well so it was a little weird and i don't necessarily think it's it was needed but you know their choice uh but what, what did you think i thought it sucked and it was <laughs> it was it was because because it's it's exactly like if you if you ask somebody like what's the laziest way that they could just phone this in you know you spent uh like a month or so uh sending him around talking about it like to different you know having him eat hot wings on the internet and just doing all this stuff like promoting this and then by the time it gets here it's like what would you guys do if you had if you if you just wanted to phone it in and have the laziest possible uncreative you know thing that you could do to say goodbye to the undertaker now keep in mind you don't have a live crowd you could you know you've got the thunderdome you've got all these resources you could do literally anything. You could come up with any kind of like special effects or, 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 uh, you know, more than just the, uh, the compulsory video package, which they do, which those guys always make a nice video package. Whoever has, is mm-hmm. in charge of compiling the footage and making packages and stuff like, I don't think we give those guys enough credit because what they do, like their end product is so is such it's a cliche in and of itself like you know that wwe is going to put out a package now i know that people worked hard on making the package and the package is really like it's cool but just the fact that that's what they lean on so heavily becomes annoying and it's not fair to the people that work so hard on doing that and have basically mastered it you know you know you're some if somebody dies they're going to whip up a music video with lots of cool footage you know, and try to make you cry and stuff like that, you know, like with the Pat Patterson thing, like, you know, yeah, that was exactly what it needed to be. Um, but this Undertaker one, it's like this, this is just, it's completely, like I said, it's, it's lazy. It's uninspired. It's the least you could have done. You should have done more. I don't know what it was, but you had plenty of time to think about it. It's not my job to think of how to say goodbye to the man that, you know, you owe a huge portion of the success of your company to, and the guy that's the most over, he's more over now than everybody that you have in the company now. And, uh, everyone you will ever sign, uh, henceforth, um, combined. The undertaker is more over than all those people. So you could have done a little bit better than this. Um, and I was just, uh, you know, I, I was pretty, I, I kind of like farted at it, you know, when, uh, when we covered it originally, but the more time I spent thinking about it, like the matter I got, um, you know, like he deserved better than that. Uh, 
so, it's all it's unfortunate especially when, when you get to be it's like he's not he he didn't die you know he's still alive like if somebody if a legend dies and then you try to do a tribute after the fact they don't get to see it so it's really for everyone else but this guy is still here and he had to see you do a shitty job and a lazy job you know what i mean like there's no way he was cool with that so that's the insulting part like you're trying to celebrate this guy and you've done this is like the gift card of tributes you just right. gave the undertaker a 50 dollar amazon gift card <laughs> well i just found it odd that the everything surrounding the sort of 30 years in the making farewell to the undertaker uh that material was more entertaining and 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 captivating you know the yep. i thought that i thought this the second round of uh uh you know broken skull sessions i, I thought that was really good uh mm-hmm. i was i was really entertained by that and i thought that they have a great rapport and it, sh- it, do- it doesn't hurt when they're knocking back you know shots of jack <laughs> you know just like mm-hmm. it feels like you're kind of like shades of 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 uh bsk or you know uh that that era um so i i I wasn't certain what they were going for, and it, and it's ultimately going to be lackluster, partly for me because I kind of already had this moment. I remember when he when he left it all in the ring uh, a couple of years back. Yeah, and you he know, couldn't and, do that again, you right. know, because he wasted it on something that ended up being nothing. Right, and it's just something about that, and then of course him coming back to do the Saudi Arabian uh, events. It just there's a, there's a cheapening to all of this and it doesn't even really matter to me what they did this time because I, I think to myself, it's probably not the last we've seen of them. <laughs> Unfortunately. Right. No, it, it probably, know. it probably isn't, but you know, it's, and, but part of that could be because how shitty it was. It's right. like you got to keep finding a right note to go out on. Right. Uh, because you can't get your shit together for this guy. So, I mean, you know, look, I, I'm, I've got that, I've got that special connection to the Undertaker. You, you do. Know, that I was, was one of your I was big part of, I was part of that thing, and it, there's nothing like it. Um, but I couldn't even enjoy it because all I was thinking about uh, when I was on that stage as a druid holding a flaming torch, all I was thinking about, I couldn't soak in the seventy-five thousand people. I couldn't soak in the music or the just the atmosphere or anything like that. All I could think about was, don't set the guy in front of me on fire. <laughs> So I didn't get that, but, you know, being backstage, seeing the undertaker, getting the fist bump, you know, doing all that stuff and, and, you know, watching the entrance and being part of it, or even to a lesser extent, Batista coming right out. Like, like I'm standing right off like stage, right. Uh, waiting to go on. And when Batista's music hits and he does his entrance and that was pretty fucking cool just to be standing there with it. So you know what I mean? But so like, I'll always have that, like that sort of appreciation for the undertaker. Not that I didn't appreciate him before, but just being a connected to it, being a part of it somehow, um, gives me that, it makes me want to like, uh, really stick up for him more. Oh, know, shit yeah. Like this happens, but I, I gotta say for me too, I, I feel similarly because, you know, unlike the Pat Patterson story or JBL stories or whatever, uh, you know, I only met taker, uh, technically twice, but one main main time that I, I met him while working there because he was out with a serious injury. He actually had the same 
bar in his arm that you did uh, when you were at mm. OVW. And he was just really cool. Like, he was like, you know, I guess he tells some people that his name is Taker um, when he introduces himself. But, you know, I had introduced myself and said, I'm Mark. And he goes, ah, oh, Mark, too. You know, and it was like a cool moment. And you just you could tell this guy does command respect. And, you know, I'm even reminded of one of the uh, the greatest, you know, uh, in Watertown, New York, we have the Fairgrounds Arena. It's really just a small hockey rink or event center. We, uh, they have the Bravo Italiano Fest every year as well there. Uh, but when The Undertaker graces us with his presence at the Fairgrounds Arena, uh, it, it made Watertown, New York that much cooler that night you know it was i think it was yokozuna and taker and we even went outside afterwards my brother and i were like let's just let's let's try to like say goodbye as they get in their cars and i was like well my brother's like say something to him and i was like oh uh, where are you going to next and then <laughs> taker said something like uh ohio <laughs> i was like that's that's great um yeah, so that's you know how do I get off on this rant about the Undertaker? Because I was because uh, I was talking about AEW trying. Yes. Okay, they fucking tried. All right, they did this thing where a bunch of stuff happened. It doesn't even matter what happened because they fucked that up too. But uh, but Sting came out. Okay, yes, Sting yes. came out. They hit his that. music. They hit his fucking music, which. We don't know what the music is because he has to right. legally have different music every time that he shows up somewhere else. Uh, and they have they have snow effects and 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 the lights go out and he 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 comes out and he's he's sting and he's got a bat and and he's a uh, you know he, he yeah, already has you'll... he already has his own official AW T shirt that he's wearing that says Sting. But the, never mind that. Don't 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 think too hard about how he's debuting with his own merch. Don't don't worry about it. No. Don't think about how Cody. Uh, as a executive vice president of the company shouldn't have been that surprised to see this guy because you know, it is a business and there's a lot of legal things that they got to do to make these kind of things happen. Don't think about it for a second. Just enjoy Sting coming out to the ring, walking around, staring at everybody and then leaving and doing nothing. Just enjoy it. <laughs> well, it does help to have somebody say it's Sting. you know, that's it. It's something. It's TNT. You know, there's something there to that. But yes, I I, I, I see what you're saying. And uh, as Jim Cornette said, the announcers came in their pants. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, okay. Look, uh, I really don't care what sting does or doesn't do um i can take or leave sting at any moment he seems to have a lot of fans that's cool um he's he's uh his in-ring career is supposed to be over and i don't know if you want a 61 year old sting uh wrestling anymore um but I just wanted to ask, like, what is your what is your take on Sting? What is your take on this appearance of Sting? What do you think they can do with Sting? And um, what would you 
maybe you like to see them do with Sting, or what would you do with Sting? Well, you know, it felt the natural thing would have been to to do a Taker Sting match. It didn't need to be longer than ten minutes, and it would have been a really interesting sort of farewell in some ways to both. Sure, you're still going to do like a Taker thing later. That's fine, but for Sting. That's right. Taker's like, coming to AEW, so yeah, yeah. Patiently wait for it. No, yeah, let me stop. Saying, let me stop saying, you right there. Let me stop you right there because I want to ask. Sure. Uh, I want to ask a sidebar real quick on something you said because uh, I've always found this fascinating. Well, not always, but whatever. Um, why is it the natural thing to have Sting and Undertaker? Well, it felt like you had the the franchise players, if you will, the guys that that neither one. No, I'm not privy to anything that went went on backstage i'm sure taker was offered something uh the third man uh but uh that's mabel not mabel yeah yeah yeah. but sting i'm not sure something tells me he maybe wasn't offered stuff but but maybe he could have pursued it to go up north but the fact is that neither of them did and through the 90s uh dark side and all uh Hmm. they were kind of the stalwarts of their companies and they they stuck through and and they were uh kind of the pillars and i felt like to to then uh you know in the early i guess it would have been like 2000 2010s uh to have all of that sort of put to rest with the sting taker match as you know and we know they're older but it doesn't matter and we've seen michaels get out there and 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 certain old timers, and that's fine. Because I said it doesn't need to be really longer than ten minutes. Uh, it just could have been an interesting meeting of these two somewhat dark tinged characters, uh, and and close close the book on on that that era, if you will. Okay. Uh, but but that's just that's my take. And and ultimately, though, to answer your first question, I feel like. In AEW, you can get a little rub with Sting. Doesn't hurt. Um, I do feel bad for Sting. I, I that 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 WWE kind of for whatever reason they didn't come to an agreement on, on how he would go out there. Felt a little lackluster, and I, I I can see why he wants to maybe have this this final go. The question is is who's it going to be with, and, and what's it going to be for? And it, it's it, you know first thing that comes to your mind just in terms of caliber of talent you're going well could he do something with jericho but it's like that doesn't really make sense you're not passing the torch to chris jericho so who will he pass this torch to i certainly hope it's not you know uh i like orange cassidy but i mean i, I don't know who, who is it gonna be you know like because they, they have similar vibes in a sense of being these sort of silent well, cool characters off to the side but that's just yeah i don't know uh, yeah, look, um, Sting doesn't have a torch to pass. Let's just get that out there right right away. There is no torch. Sting owns no torch. He never had a torch. Okay? So there, there's no torch to pass. So don't look at it in those terms. What about that jacket, though? That, like, um, the big uh, red, white, and blue jacket. You can pass that on. That'd yeah, you cool. can pass it. You can pass that on. <laughs> it's still not a torch. Yeah. Um, so... Okay, so yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, where would you, where would you go with it? Why does everybody have to have a match? It's just, it's silly. It's silly on the face of it. Um, you should be like, 
Like th- there's got to be some semblance at, at some point, somebody has, has to reintroduce some semblance of sport to this. Like you, you just don't have guys come back and like Michael Jordan is not going to put the shorts back on and play for the bulls. Like, Oh, just one game for Michael Jordan. No, it doesn't happen. It does not happen in the world. So why do we need to see that? You can do something with sting. You can sell some, some shirts apparently, but it doesn't have to be a match, man. It just doesn't. Um, and that's that's the mistake that these people. That's one of the last sort of uh, vestiges of the carny mentality that just is. I feel like it's always going to um, be hanging around the wrestling business. Uh, you know, you're not trying to attract people to the fairgrounds anymore. They're gonna yeah. watch it whether Sting's there or not. So don't make him fucking embarrass himself or break his neck again. Uh, that's 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 my advice. Yeah. Um. So I mean, maybe they could do. You know, that's what's interesting is you know we all know that this is an, a fairly imitative business. You know, perhaps with Sting, you could do a kind of cinematic match, a la Taker and AJ Styles. I could see something like that happening, which you know, is not necessarily the way you necessarily want to go out, but hearing Taker talk about it and being proud of it on Broken Skull Sessions, I said, hey, more power to him. You know, at the end of the day, some aspects of that I found to be a little corny just because I, I, we've talked about this before, you know, when you have camera setups, like when they do those like house invasion things and you're like, why is there a camera, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like on the mantle, you know, apparently, yeah, apparently perfectly. somebody already invaded the house. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that stuff aside, but, but at least with the, the AJ Styles match, it's like, it already is kind of, uh, you know, making movies, pal. It, it's already in that, that, that vein. So it's a well, little bit what excused. Was what was he supposed to say? Like, oh, this was, a I guess yeah, I just did it. I just did it. Cause, uh, you know, I, old man asked me to i don't know like like what what, i know if this man is eternally old school the way that he claims to be and has a move that he does that's named after it is he really (laughs) going to be cool with having a cinematic fake match yeah i doubt it i i doubt that very very highly that that sits a hundred percent completely right with him he may have made peace with it but i mean that's kind of where he's at and you could do a cinematic match with sting you could but their matches suck. If you watch the uh, the football match or whatever, or any of the things that they do like that, or God forbid the uh, the what was that called the uh, tooth for a tooth match, um, with Britt Baker and Big Swole. I mean, those are the levels of cinematic matches you're going to get. I don't think we need to drag Sting down into that. Uh, and for- I agree. I agree. I'm just saying that that is something that will probably be on the table, knowing the way these things work. Yeah, I think that he should just be the general manager. Yeah, and but he just is, but he's completely ridiculous. Like he's still just in the full garb every time, and he just like time. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, or just points with a bat. You know, like doesn't actually say anything. Sometimes just points with a bat and then goes back. Yeah. Um, he could have the, but it'd be like, I always thought it would be, I, I used to joke with like my brother and my friends and stuff like, uh, the, um, that 
you know, when the undertaker retires, he should be a general manager and do the full entrance every time he comes out, you know, like just imagine the Teddy long spot, but with the undertaker, with the 10 minute entrance every time, just to come out and say, you know, you know, it's, it's going to be Bailey versus. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and then hit the music again and get the full entrance with the, you know, back to the audience and the raised fist thing. Um, that that would be good, and that would that would solve yeah. their problem of trying to fill time on the show. Yeah. So what's uh, what's what's more than likely to happen is that he'll be in the corner of someone, uh, is my guess. Well, he signed a multi-year deal, so it better be in a few corners. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, and and another thing, just one other little nitpick. Like, can Sting get a fucking haircut? Can he please just cut his fucking hair? That and just just the backside, just just trim the back, you know, where it meets the nape of the neck. Like I'm tired of that 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 puff. Looking, yeah, look, at, he looks like the fucking the guy who chose the wrong grail in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade um, with that hair like that. Just trim it, just cut it, something. Just stop with this. We all see what's going on in there. You just look ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so, anything else to talk about Sting, or should we move on? Sting! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, another... This wasn't the last big surprise, though, that this episode of Dynamite would have for us, because in the much-hyped and um, and uh, promoted um, title match with Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, which was like 30 minutes or some such thing... Kenny Omega finally wins with a little assistance from Don Callis. Don Callis throws a microphone in the ring or so, or like something, something happens. He hits Kenny, Kenny hits uh, John Mox with the microphone and hits him with the one winged angel. And then he wins the championship. Then he and Don Callis run out. And as they're leaving, uh, Don Callis is like, you can hear all about it on next, next Tuesday. And then he's like, dynamite's on Wednesday. And then Don Callis is like, well, Kenny Omega is going to be on impact. And then that's how the show goes off the air. So now the AEW champion uh, is going to, is going to appear on Impact, and that's the cliffhanger that we're left with at the end of this episode. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, well, we'll either talk about we could talk about that now and the implications of this of this promotional crossover, uh, or we could save it for later. What do you think? Let's just go for it. You know, it's 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 tethered to it. Well, the reason the reason why I say we could wait till later is that now, having seen uh, the episode of Impact that Kenny Omega has appeared on, I can speak to it as well. So okay. we can either talk about the speculation and then put the speculation to rest later, or just do it all at the end. So up to you. Your choice, my sir. All right. Well, let's. Uh, uh, let's take a break okay. and then uh, come back and talk about um, some NXT. All right. Nice break. Um, so this episode of NXT leading into the war games pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think you saw it, but you probably saw everything you needed to see by watching the packages that were included with War Games. Um, so, 
And my first note on this list of notes that I had made was by the time we're an hour in uh, and Pat McAfee is doing a promo, not much has happened on this episode. Nothing, nothing has, nothing has happened. So it was a big black hole of an hour to start with. Um, and we were sort of Sergio and I and others have lamented the idea of turning Tony storm heel. Uh, and I'm noticing on this episode that they're promoting that the the babyface side of the women's war games match has like a mystery person, like they don't have a member. So right mm-hmm. now, as of that time, it was three on four. And I'm like, well, if you knew you didn't have another person, then why couldn't Tony have been on that team? Right. And the heels have the ace up the sleeve. Yeah. Um. So that that would you know I don't I don't know, but maybe they have long term plans for. Tony, I severely doubt it, but um, nonetheless, we have no choice but to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens. Um, but I'll check back with you guys in six months after she's, you know, completely ruined. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of this match, Shotzi Blackheart takes on some unknown person for the advantage in the War Games match and wins. And then it's... Um, you know, it's Io. Io Shirai ends up being the mystery, you know, good guy partner, even though I guess we should have known from the previous week that by her getting jumped by everybody else on the other team should have confirmed that. I mean, it really wasn't much of a mystery after all. Um, but uh, just a terrible episode overall. Uh, lots of things wrong with it that I'm not going to go into. Um, and just just weird in general and boring. And uh, I'm glad you didn't see it. Um, let's see. Uh, I had some MLW notes here. Nothing major. I was going to talk about ACH over Laredo Kid and Low Key over Davey Boy Smith Jr. I was talking with Sergio about, uh, we were wondering, you know, he was asking if Low Key was even still there. Um, and so here he picks up the win in the Opera Cup tournament to over over David Boy Smith Jr. and and we were trying to figure out like what's wrong with David Boy Smith Jr. Um and I I kind of just feel like after watching this it's just that he just doesn't fit any sort of like he's a man without a country basically. Um not not any kind of pun on the British bulldog or anything like that but um it's like he's like 6 6 4 6 5 and big and as a baby face, he's not like you can't get sympathy on this guy because he's huge. Um, but as a heel, he wrestles very boring. Like he he tries to do a lot of technical wrestling, which for a guy that's his size that looks like that, you don't want to see him. Do you want to kill? You don't see him kill somebody. But even though he's big, he doesn't look like monster big. So you can't do like the Vader type match where he just cleans somebody's clock because he seems, you know, he's. Like I said, he's big, but not, I don't know. It's just, he just doesn't, nothing he does makes sense. And everything he does is wrong and boring. So that's what I think about David Boy Smith Jr. Do you have any thoughts about David Boy Smith Jr.? I've always thought he had something, but he also felt a little bit deer in the headlights. And he's I think that, that, that Canadian weirdness, too. Sure, sure. But, what it is, though, also, I think some second generation, third generation superstar people that that kind of just, you know, 
get handed uh, at least their first couple shots, they they don't seem totally with it, or at least you know focused the way that say a Daniel Bryan or somebody seems to be uh, you know earlier in their careers. So there, that's what I've always felt is he was a little deer in the headlights. Yeah, he, he is. But the thing about Daniel Bryan is you can look at a guy like him and when he does technical wrestling and vicious striking, he's fighting up. Yeah. When you're six foot five and you're punching down, True. it's like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's tough. So, yeah. He's he, especially in today's world where that that's an anomaly to be, to be six, five, you know, mm-hmm. and have any sort of muscle mass. Right. So, well, anyway, um, but Moving to the NXT UK, I just have a quick note here, and that is, um, oh, that is not my quick note. Let me silence that. Um, the the note is, uh, don't touch Ginny. Okay, so that that's a message for everybody out there. Um, one of the things, that, and and that comes from there's a um, there's a pull apart backstage where Ginny's sort of doing like a photo shoot. There, it's a weird little, it's a cool little setup they do that seems like it could be half as realistic. Because the way they frame this pull apart is they're shooting, they're in the UK Performance Center and they're shooting like an interview with somebody else. Uh, and off, like, like off center in the back of the shot, um, it looks like Ginny's doing like a photo shoot or something, you know, simultaneously. So you can see it's just like, oh, you know, we're, we're maximizing this space for all of our talents here. We've got to do some things at the same time. So the focus is not on Ginny, you just see her in the back. But then as Ginny gets attacked by Piper, like the focus goes off the guy who's getting interviewed and the camera goes to follow him. So it's a little bit better than your standard, you know, coffee machine. You know, you walk up and then someone else walks up and then you start fighting bullshit. Uh, and, but as they, as they pull... As they pull Ginny and Piper apart, um, and this is a, this is one of the little touches that I always, you know, this is why Ginny is on another level uh, when compared to a lot of the other talents, is just her staying in character and, and you getting a really good sense of who she is when these people are, you know, like, she's yelling at them, don't touch me, uh, you know, as they're, as they're pulling them apart. Because, you know, most of them are just trying to do whatever fake, fake fighting, uh, hair pulling, you know, bullshit that they do in pull aparts, you know, um, and, and she stays in the moment, which is good. Um, and, and when she says it, she, you really believe that, uh, she does not want you to touch her. Uh, some lowly, you know, you know, those guys, they always have like a black polo shirt on. Yep. Um, that's it. Um, on SmackDown, we got the Pat Patterson 10 bell salute. Uh, we could have done without Cole saying anything at all. Um, uh, we could have done without the fake, the fake, um, thank you, Pat chance that they had created for this. Yeah. I've got um, questions about that with regard to NXT, but we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, we could have, that is. you're right. Right. We, we could have probably done without this whole episode, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they're introducing Roman Reigns as everything, but the tribal chief, they seem to have dropped that a little bit, which is not very fun. Um, and I have a note that if Heyman is involved in a seg, there's a high chance for someone to get called a bitch. I just noticed that anytime Heyman's around or otherwise, um, involved, like even if you're not supposed to know he's involved, 
people get called bitches. It's like his one, it's like his one move, you know, like, um, you know, like, like, like actors have moves, you know, like how Michelle Rodriguez will scowl, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Paul Heyman says, says bitch. Um, Bailey got a ding dong. Hello shirt. That's great. Uh, they later on, they do the, um, the video package for Pat Patterson. It's, it's the, they actually ponied up and got Frank Sinatra's my way to play. And they also did like a thing where they would put in Pat singing. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it would be like, so when Pat would sing, it would, it would almost be like a duet with Frank, you know, at certain, and during right. the chorus parts. Um, so that was, you know, that's again, the good work from, uh, the people in the office that do that kind of stuff. And, um, then they have some, what they call a tribute match. Uh, Big E gets a new theme. Um, and then there's a small package and Michael Cole s- says the old Pat Patterson quick one, which just, I mean, that's so inside it's ridiculous, but, um, yeah, just don't, just don't let Michael Cole, just don't say things. Just turn the headset off. I don't care. <laughs> just hand it over to someone. I don't care who. Um, so, yeah, and then I had this whole thing. I was going to go into a spiel about Roman Reigns and the rules and this other stuff in this tag match, but who fucking cares? It, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Nothing is real. Um, let's talk about something that's a lot more fun, okay? So... This weekend, we saw um, the final set for the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors tournaments. Um, and um, Mark, I had you check this event out. I figured uh-huh. you've gone enough time without watching Japanese wrestling and it was time to uh, dive back in here. Um so let's talk about that, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I watched this after I saw uh, War Games. That's so, probably the, for the best, even though yes. they chronologically took place out in a different order. Um, I'm going to I'm going to start with this um, because that's how it chronologically happened. But it was probably much much more satisfying uh, to get this as if depending on well don't don't give away what you thought of war games just yet but i sure. would for me it would have been a palate cleanser for sure so uh in 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 several ways but yes i won't say much all right so um yeah i mean like when i cover new japan there's really nothing for me to say in the sense that um well one when i'm talking about with sergio he usually hasn't watched it so there's not a lot there's a point of me to say but at the same time um New Japan has such a baseline level of high quality that it's almost like, well, I mean, what what can I say? I can't pick anything apart. I can't particularly praise anything because it's just, you know, what am I going to do? Just start listing off hundreds of good things? I mean, I no one has that kind of time. So, so it usually ends up being a gloss over. But as someone who... Um, is a more recent uh, inductee into, you know, watching this stuff. Um, I'm curious about how these guys, like I'm always fascinated with how the guys can get 
can get themselves over to the point that you know who they are without any, you know, they don't rely on um, mic performances sure. or vignettes yeah. or or other otherwise, you know, the, the typical American uh, crutches that that people use. Um, so I I always like to, you know, hear what other people uh, think about that kind of stuff. So I asked you to watch this with a focus on the characters and your impressions thereof. Um, so kind of you got you got your copious notes. I want mm-hmm. you to run down some of those notes and just just kind of take us through uh, your experience watching. Well, it was exciting to to go back to that world because yeah, it had been a little while since I I did. And I enjoyed the last um, pay per view. The uh, um, was it called the Cup? Uh, what was oh. the name of it? Mm. The, the, we watched it. It was uh, the something Cup. Um, New Japan world. Cup. Yeah, world New Japan Cup. Cup. That's New what it Japan is. Cup? New Japan Cup. What the hell's wrong with me here? Uh, and you know. What's interesting is that I hadn't seen some of these uh, performers in a while, and yet I'm instantly, other than certain guys' hairs growing a little bit longer or, or you know, the color changing or something, uh, I generally was like, yeah, I recognize these people, and some of them I even recognize their names. So it was shocking given that, yeah, I'm not listening to any uh, promos, no vignettes. I'm not being introduced to any characters, even with with translation it's just purely what they're doing in the ring and their their sort of overall presentation so right off the bat my first impression was already enjoying uh this pay-per-view uh, or this you know event uh more than nxt because there's not a fucking cage obstructing my view mm. uh <laughs> even when i go back and look at old world war three or rather um uh, uh, war games and, and stuff like that. I, I, I'm like, is it that the cage, the wiring was smaller so I can see in it more? I'm not sure what, what the difference is, but at times it was very annoying and difficult to to see what was happening um, in, at the NXT pay-per-view. But nonetheless, this is about New Japan. Uh, I had not been privy to Robbie Eagles. Plural? Yes. That's, he he yeah. has more than one eagle. Yes, I, that was one guy that I just I didn't recall from any of the previous New Japan things I was I was no. watching, and he was fine. Um, his again presentation, uh, it had like shades of uh, of AJ Styles and certain guys that we've seen in the last ten or fifteen years. So didn't totally stand out, but given that he is not Japanese, you know. Um, he has that going for him in the sense of, of standing out. But uh, yeah, I, I think he that... wasn't on the last tour because, you know, everyone was still kind of in their home countries at that time. Yes. So he had not right. been able to travel to Japan. And now that um, they've done, you know, New Japan, I don't know if you heard us cover this, but uh, New Japan has said that uh, they reported that of the shows that they've been running since June or July or how, or whatever, um, there's been zero cases uh, mm. since they've been running the show. So they feel like, you know, they're on track to just gradually open up more. And so for this would be the first time for the tag league and the super juniors that people that were 
outside the country are now coming back. So Robbie Eagles is here and he's from, I believe New Zealand or Australia. It's one of those, one of those places. Um, I forget. Um, but yeah, continue. Yeah. So, um, that match was okay. Uh, didn't stand out. Uh, I, w- I didn't recognize the other guy, uh, either. Uh, I don't think he was in, um, the New Japan Cup, either. Well, that uh, was that was that was uh, Uemura, right? He was just a young lion. He he had black trunks and boots. Yes, yeah, yeah. So he he was a substitute for the tournament oh, um, okay. because one of the guys hurt his ankle right before. Gotcha. Um, Desperado's partner, um, Kanemaru, he hurt his ankle, so Uemura was a substitute. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, one one thing too that I was noticing and in, in, in reacting to uh while watching well i'll get to that with nxt but i personally do like the stable heavy uh sort of card um or, or these these events because it instantly helps you uh, associate not necessarily heel or, or, or babyface because it doesn't really seem to matter but at least you can go okay that person's aligned with that group, that person's over here, you know, that kind of, uh, gang warfare story. It works for me. And, uh, anyway, I'll mention about the NXT thing later, but, uh, I like that sports teams. Back into that. They're sports, yeah, sports teams, teams, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh, and just like, and just like when you watch a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game, they don't throw vignettes and promos at you every five seconds. You know, you just, you take the sport and you watch it and that's the entertainment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was also different coming from watching NXT to watch something with much more varied pacing, uh, in terms of the match length and just even the energy level because these matches were not 35 minutes plus. Uh, so it was really a nice change. Um, and uh, I think this was the next match, but um, I was noticing that uh, Tanahashi uh, really sold a kendo stick uh, the mm-hmm. way that you would hope someone would. Again, mm-hmm. not necessarily mentioning NXT, but maybe I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that psychology was also quite um, pronounced compared to what I would previously was watching. And, and that's like a, just a nice change because you're, you're, it actually, what people don't realize about psychology in a match is that it is a storytelling device and it pulls you in because you're following something, uh, you're tracking something. Like if you're, you know, TV writers watching TV, uh, you know, even if you're a viewer and you're not a TV writer, you still, you, you're Im- implicitly, you're being taken on that journey. And that's missing in certain things. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say the thing that people need to understand about psychology in a match is that it's supposed to exist. Yes. Well, that's that's correct. Uh, and it's it's a little unfortunate that, you know, uh, NXT, considering, you know, who produces it and everything, you, you, you would hope that there'd be more here and there. But it might just be that it, at least that event was just so unwieldy that it might have been almost impossible but nonetheless back to well, let's let's stop talking yeah oh. let's stop talking about it and let's relate new japan to it when we talk about that yes about that? so uh hiromu uh always excited to see him uh i think he's like really somebody who 
deserves this spotlight as well as I think he can cross over. I think he has that that ability because he works like a six footer. The mm-hmm. way he throws a, a, a clothesline, the way that he moves, he he stomps around. He he projects something much bigger than I assume he's probably no more than five eight. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I won't say, say much about Master Watu. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, he's okay. He's, like his his work is good. I just the the, the gimmick and the look is terrible. Um, I don't know what what he thinks he's 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 going for. Um, well, I think I I would. You know, it's kind of funny. I I think it would be cool if he's you know his sort of thing is he's on. He's on the way to becoming a grandmaster. He wants to become a right. grandmaster. He's just a regular master now. And right. I guess maybe to motivate him to, you know, walk the path uh, surely and quickly, you have to put yourself in the dumbest color scheme that you possibly could think of to get to that cool black and white one, you know, that you would see like uh, an Eatmon have or something like that. But um you know, maybe that's it. Maybe he's motivating himself with blue hair and, you know, pink accents and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, it, like you said, uh, it, it might be part of the, the, the longer term transformation. And that could be cool. I think there's there's something to that. Um, you know, it's very, as you've mentioned before, in uh, conversations outside of the podcast with me, uh, it's like leveling up in anime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, moving on. Uh, Shingo and Sonata, I was like, yeah, like I, I, I vividly recall them. And I think that they worked like I think that they maybe actually uh, competed against one another in the New Japan Cup. I think one of those matches, perhaps, uh, or even in a tag, they were opposed. Mm-hmm. To one. I, I'm trying to remember, but nonetheless, they work really well together. They're just stand out like like crazy. Um, I think Shingo in terms of psychology, really, uh, unlike most competitors I'm seeing today, uh, like for example, when he, he goes to pick up Jeff Cobb and you know, he can't cause Jeff Cobb is, is, is one, <laughs> one unit of a man. I mean, that guy is, uh, is, is quite, uh, robust, but he can't. And so then he flips it around and then, you know, th- uh, shoots him to the ropes and he manages to actually clothesline him which is obviously in that case more effective. And it just, it felt very natural. Um, and you just don't see enough of that, of like people attempting something, but it actually feeling like the lack of strength or the lack of, of uh, reach or whatever it might be, as opposed to when somebody attempts to do something and it feels like choreography. Yeah. So, so on that note, on that note, as, as far as like attempting things, it's like the attempt is, and this is, this ties into the psychology point as well. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you have to succeed. And I think that would play a much bigger part than to just do something and destroy all illusion of, uh, you know, the the suspension of uh, disbelief. So, for example, like um, when you see a guy with a baseball bat or something uh, like a sting, for example, uh, you know how a baseball bat's supposed to use because ever since you were a kid, you've been watching people swing baseball bats on TV and whatever. Right. But mm-hmm. in wrestling, for some reason, you got to grab the top of the bat with your hand oh, yeah. and hit the guy in the stomach. Right. Or in the mm-hmm. head. Right. 
So you're basically holding it while you give them a backhand. And no one does that. So why couldn't you try to take the guy's head off and miss? Like no one said you had to hit the guy with a bat. No, at no point. So if if you're if the guy's on the outside by the ring post and you fucking swing the bat at him and crack the bat on the ring post, then people will know it was a real bat. The bat will break, so you can't really use it anymore the way it was intended. So that gives you an excuse to not try to hit him again. Um, you know, things like that. Like that that does a lot more than just phonally hitting a guy with a is phonally a word? Uh, it's like an adjective. Anyway. Yeah. Um to to hit a to hit a guy in a phony way, and then everybody's like, "Well, this is fake. I ain't watching no more." Um, just shit like that. So yeah. to your point about lifting up a guy, like okay, even though it's way more realistic that you could lift a guy off the ground than it is to knock him down with your arm, but whatever. That's not that's not the point. The point is he's telling a story, and the story he wanted to tell was that he had to, you know, knock the guy that was basically a boulder with arms and legs off his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of that, Cobb, uh, he did look familiar to me. I was like, God, there's something. I was like, did I see him in in, in, in AAA when I went to Mexico City? And, and then I remember that he was in Lucha Underground. I was like, ah, okay, yeah. So he's he's pretty, uh, uh, quite, quite a, a force, and I think is, is in a way kind of Rhino-esque. Uh, perhaps even, well... I don't think you can count the rhino of today, but I think uh, he he's I, I I wish him well in his future endeavors. I think he's going to do some good things. Um, and then I just wanted to say for that match, the gut wrenches uh, were friggin' brutal and awesome, brutal in a good way. Uh, I I thought that that just was, I've never seen that in a match. You're talking uh, about you're talking about Cobb. When Cobb and uh, his partner, who I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, I didn't write it down. The Great uh, Ocon. The Great Ocon, yes. Uh, the, the, I mean, what they did was pretty phenomenal. It was like one gut wrench after another, and and doing it in such a way that almost felt or looked real in the sense that you could you could see the weight being uh, swung. You know, it didn't feel like. Uh, Shingo or, or Sonata were, were jumping, you know, were kind of were, were, were lifting and helping them. Like it was, it was pretty awesome. So to me, this is the best match so far, uh, including everything I saw from other uh, organizations. Uh, and I couldn't tell, but in that match, it seemed like Sonata maybe missed a cue to get back in the ring to do something. I'm not sure if you recall that. It was a, a moment where it was just funny because, but it's hard to tell because Shingo's um, very uh, loud. So, uh, you're like, well, um, he's yelling something. I don't know what it is about, but I thought it was to get Sonata to come back in the ring. Um, tour of the islands was a fantastic finisher that that was really cool. Um, obviously pure power by, by Jeff Cobb. So really great match. And I, I liked all the, the competitors involved. Um, and, uh, let's see here. Um, now this this next match you had uh, show uh, who I have to say you know I know that the Bullet Club and, and these various groups have have made a, a a name for themselves over the years but what is it with all of the these these performers doing some form of um, a shooting a gun or uh, an archery gesture uh, it's like everything's about shooting something in terms of the their 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 taunting or their their gestures 
Well, I guess it's just the most easily conveyed um, uh, like, pantomime like, like, that lets you know that you're about to get nailed with something. Well, that you're about to get nailed with something, and maybe there's also kind of the metaphorical thing of, like, I'm going to shoot on you? Is mm, that... Probably not as much, but that okay. may have been where the Bullet Club started. Okay, okay. Like, it was yeah. supposed to be shooters or whatever, and then that was, it's sort of like a play on that. I guess, um, yeah. But show... Show is just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. His finisher's called the shock arrow. So ah, there just, you go. Yeah. You know, it's just like a little just a little something. He is in great shape. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's that it's that type of, of shape that you go, it's not anabolic, it's not human growth, and it, he's not a vegan. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, you know, it, it but but at the same time he's in like just really, really good shape. And I, I see it and I'm like, damn, I'm like, I need to get back down to, to my, my garage gym. Uh, well, look, but you're, that... ne- you're never going to look like show. Um, there's got, and there, there's gotta be something anabolic there because his skin is bad. Oh, but, well uh, then sure. Yeah. Uh, but at least it looks fairly, um, yeah. Uh, natural. And he's, he's totally transformed his body too. I mean, he was never in bad shape, but you know, he was much softer than before. And he's really, you know, upped his physique game, um, yeah. to, to the point of being like, super lean he was kind of jacked a little while ago so i think i think he's one of those kind of guys that experiments with different you know regimens and looks and things like that has to be sure he's not satisfied he's trying different things um yeah that that was a great match uh i don't have much to say about it just was 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 a good match um and then we have the yano and i'm forgetting his partner's name is the older guy ishii uh, ishii uh that was clearly uh the loudest match of <laughs> of the evening uh just because yana was always like shouting things but uh mm-hmm. good good match but you know didn't didn't um, particularly stand out i uh, i'm not surprised to, to to find out that zach saber jr is a vegan uh mm-hmm. certainly looks mm-hmm. like it uh he actually comp- we were talking earlier about um you know certain people uh in not being able to to make it to the island uh, during during COVID and everything, he actually ended up uh, becoming a well. I don't know if he's a Japanese citizen yet, but he's 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 now fully moved to Japan, so he's mm-hmm. in it for the long haul, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, he's been but, there the whole time. Yeah, I think um, you know if you found your place, it's also interesting that his name is not Zack Saber, and neither is he a junior. Um, no, I, I was looking him up. Uh, Rooney. Get a little uh, we have the Bushi match. Uh, I wanted to, and I texted this to you because I was curious about it. What was the context of his uh, entrance and and kind of look like? He was almost dressed like a like like one of the referees or something, you know, with the all black <laughs> button up. Like, what was that? No, that's well, that's um, that's Bushi's big match gear. He okay. wears a suit. And an ornate mask. Uh, he's had some amazing masks over the years, including one that was like a full, like Aztecan headdress or some shit like that. It was like pretty, pretty amazing. But like he generally will do like the black dress shirt, um, suit, like suit jacket look. That's for his like single matches. Like when he's. Just wrestling a tag or something like that. He usually just comes out with the t-shirt, you know, and his and his extra mask. But for big match Bushi, 
he wears the uh, dress he wears the dress clothes and they're usually all black so um that's just that's just what that is it's just signifying he's got a big singles match um, okay okay and, and a lot match. of and a lot of the LIJ guys will do that in big matches. They will have their, uh, you know, like Naito's big match gear is like the white suit, um, stuff like that. And when you see them in photo opportunities outside or like for promotional photos and stuff like that, they're all wearing like really clean ass, uh, uh, you know, dress dress clothes all the time. Very stylish. All the guys are stylish and look great in suits. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, yeah, didn't have a ton to say about that match. It was obviously a good match, him and Desperado. Uh, I was surprised by the finish um, where Desperado went over. Uh, I actually think that um, of, of the things I've seen of Bushi, who I obviously like, that he's actually ended up, he's lost every time that I've actually seen him, which doesn't take away though from, from, from his ability. It goes to show that, uh, you know, uh, even, even, even Bruce Pritchard is not totally wrong when he talks about, you know, a win loss record, not necessarily meaning that much. Um, moving on. Uh, well, well, I I do want to apologize for misleading you, uh, because I sent you a photo of Bushi some time ago just to show you how cool his gear is. Um, and that may have made you think that he's like a somebody. <laughs> oh, like, okay. He's essentially like, he's, he's like two steps above a, uh, an enhancement talent. It seems like, like he, he can, he can win, but that's, that's kind of like, it speaks to the parody of the new Japan roster, because unless you're a young lion, you have a chance, albeit a slim one to win. You can know like um, that somebody's not going to win, but there's always that potential of an upset. So Bushi's right at that level where you feel like he could, on a given night, he could win against anyone. But you know his role is not not such that um, he's like a top guy. So even though he's in a faction with top guys, uh, he him and not so much. So you know he makes up for it by having super cool gear. Right. Um, okay. Desperado, on the other hand, was kind of like a Bushi for Suzuki Goon faction, but he's been getting a push recently. He actually had the the points, the high points total um, in this year's tournament. So he was actually the top points getter, and then Hiromu was like underneath him. So, uh, so it, it seems like they want to do something with Desperado. I'm always more impressed with Desperado every time I see him. Um, his, his body language, uh, wearing the mask, his mask itself. He has a cool look. Um, his psychology is great. He's a, I mean, he's, he is a junior, but he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't make his mark doing like a bunch of crazy flips or anything. It's much more right. mat based and devious deviousness. Like he, what didn't he steal like the pen? Uh, yes. from the desk and try to you know so shit like that and just you know just, he's trying to be a heel unfortunately i think he's kind of getting over um despite himself so yeah it seemed like that yeah the people just like him but um uh he, he's trying he's doing everything right he just you know he's just so cool so yeah 
Well, uh, to wrap this up real quick, uh, Finley Jr., uh, also a new, a new name that I, uh, Dave Finley, uh, that I was not privy to uh, before. I mean, I knew that he had a son that was in the business, but I, I didn't know that he was, you know, uh, in New Japan. But I, my only thing to say about him is that, you know, the guy could have a very unique look and, and, and at least in some respect harken back to his father and, and, and just stand out more. Instead, he just looks like, everyday wrestler trash you know like the 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 misshape the the tattoos for no reason the the man bun you know shaved on the side hair with the long like top uh top knot thing whatever it just it it, i i'm i'm disappointed because i'm like you could do something better i don't know why you just look like you know some some uh no offense to CZW, but like just some reject from <laughs> CZW. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that because this is the upgraded David Finley. You should have seen him before. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man, what a bum! But uh, you know, he's 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 trying to you know he's trying to find his way. Yeah. He's not there yet. Uh, he's um you know like he used to be. He he used to be a lot less tan and jacked, um, so if that gives you any idea what he used to look like. Um, just uh, yeah, just um, yeah. There, there's no defense for David Finley. I, yeah. I I can provide no defense, but I will just say it. it it's he's 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 more trending upward than downward. At mm. least it's just a not sure. a very steep incline right now. Sure, it's... I could see that. I could see that. Uh, first time ever seeing Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, I think that. I mean, I, I knew of them and I've seen various clips and things, but first time like on an actual card, and uh, you know, pretty cool, pretty imposing. Um, ultimately, they just kind of remind me though of like Meng's Shield. Like <laughs> they are know, Meng's like, Shield. He's a, they're yeah. they're his sons. I know. That's what I mean. It's just kind of like that that's like they just look like the shield but of of son of, of man yeah uh haku but, he's haku now he's haku yeah haku. oh is he haku again okay yeah. uh but yeah i thought they were cool and um you know kind of a a messy finish but i know that this is not the final like we haven't finished uh the, the tournament so um it's just kind of leading into the next uh, event which which is when is that coming up that is on the 13th, I want to say. Okay. So it was cool. Really enjoyed it. All right. No, the 12th. Sorry. Excuse me. So. Yep. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to see the finals on the 12th, and then they'll probably bring back all the guys that have been off the tour. Um, you know, there was a few guys that weren't on this tour. Um, no Okada on this tour, no Jay White on this tour. Uh, one one brief appearance from Ibushi and Naito on this tour, okay. um, but they'll they'll probably bring back everybody for, you know, the next card. Uh, Will Osprey perhaps. Um, they usually like on the final night of the show when it's been like a month long tournament. They only have two matches here. Sometimes only one, depending because they would normally run these tournaments separately, but you know, because they missed a big chunk of time this year, they decided to run them concurrently. And 
So normally you'd only, you know, once you're down to the tournament finals, that's just one match and you got to fill it out. So they bring in all the people that had that tour off and usually have like a nice, decent card at the end. So the one uh, on the 12th, the finals should be, you should be able to see some more familiar faces. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed checking it out. All right. Um, so let's see. I guess we have to talk about TakeOver now. Um, not really. Um, well, I have a lot of notes on it, though, so there's plenty to talk about. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about it. Um, our first match is the uh, Kroger Cashiers versus the Good Guys. <laughs> in the women's war game match. Um and I, I so I had this note here that I feel like 75% of each team are in the wrong roles. Uh I feel like the babyface team should be, you know, rightfully, it should be Tony Storm, Candace, Dakota, and Eo. And then the heels should be Ember, Shotzi, not really like the evil heel, but more just like so obnoxious that she has heat type person, yeah. I guess. She's still a baby face, but you know, this is how I would do it if I had to. And then, you know, um, Rhea Ripley and um, that unknown person. So, right. So that, th that would be how I would think, but everybody's sort of miscast for the most part. Um, so I don't know how you felt about that, but then again, you know, not seeing these people week in and week out, uh, it may not be as like plainly obvious. It wasn't plainly obvious, and, and also to 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 add to that, a lot of their gimmicks and presentation kind of overlap. So it's not as if you're looking at them and going, "Wait a second, you know, why are they in this role or why are they on this team?" It's just kind of they all look like you said, like you say, Kroger's cashiers. Well, I have a my my running joke is that. Candice LeRae looks like she'd be a cashier at some grocery store. And yeah. like that, that's, you know, like a small town, like sure. that's the pretty, the prettiest girl in this town that has like a thousand people in it. And yeah. she has to put on all that makeup and go to the gym and all that stuff just to be a six. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my joke. And, um, so I figure, well, this it. whole, this whole team could be cashiers. Sure. Uh, Sure. You know. It's almost like maybe like cashier. Some of them would be cashiers at like a dollar store where they actually mm -hmm. have like like a eye, like an eyebrow piercing mm -hmm. and really kind of go for it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I had some thoughts about this. First of all, uh, I did not understand. You know, you're in a war game situation. It is no disqualification. If you're a heel and you're in that ring and they're in that cage door is shut, you need to be using dirty handed tactics. Why mm -hmm. not? You know, it, it just makes no sense not to in that situation. Um, I felt like uh, Shotzi was frankly giving more devastating kicks in the early part of the match than the than the kick person herself. Uh, Captain just, of team kick? Yeah, I just felt like, why am I seeing Shotzi actually, like, you know, laying him in? Um, and I, I felt like uh, Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez... Uh, Who? She moved... No, I'm just uh, yeah, I know. She's she was the mystery one, right? Is yeah, that... Yes, she's the unknown person. Yes, never yes. heard of her. So she's moving like an Amazon, and it's clear, <laughs> but something's not quite clicking 
uh like a large river is that yeah like a package delivery service (laughs) uh no just as a whole it wasn't quite clicking like well because i I, when i wrote this note down i said she's moving like a big man wait no can't say that um but yeah it's just it might also be that she's doing her best and she's somewhat green and and everyone else is trying to, to take it yeah but then you have the the announcers like really overselling it like Oh my God! You know, it's just like stop. You know, you don't. If you go that to that extent, but what what I'm seeing is not as crisp and working well as mm-hmm. you know, as, as maybe a, a more seasoned vet, if you will. Uh, yeah. Then it just sounds stupid and phony and makes it worse. Is my yes. my take? Yes, it it calls attention to it. Yeah, every everything can't live up to the commentary that they're trying to, and you know it's not, it's not a hundred percent the commentator's fault because what are you supposed to say? You're supposed to just sit there and be sound bored like Jr. does on Wednesday nights. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's gotten better about that too, and I, I've made sure to, uh, I've made sure to um, praise him for that, um, but. It, it is. It, you do have to. You have to temper it somewhat. But these guys aren't. You know, as announcers, they're not good at. But look, Beth Phoenix. I've said it before. Like I have nothing against Beth Phoenix. Okay, she's she's fine in my book. She just should never be on any form of commentary ever. Just that's it. It's, it's not an insult. Um, it's just it's just how I perceive the situation. Um, and you know, Wade Barrett's a wrestler. You know, that's, that's what he knows, and, and barely that. So, you know, you have him out there, and then Tom Phillips is just one of the, you know, overproduced Michael Cole clones. So yeah. you can't really blame him for any of this stuff, but they're not able to bring that sort of like, like what you're asking them to do, which is to temper the expectations of the audience for, you know, there's very little, even the most experienced people in this match have a long way to go in terms of seasoning, I feel. So, yes, Raquel Gonzalez is green. Um, that's not even a question. I don't even know if she's been in the business for three years. Uh, yeah. And you should not be having matches like this. None of these women should be having a match like this, period. Well, that's that's sort of what I was going to eventually get to, which was my next and note. It, and it's Sloppy not, shit. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not because they're women. It's these no. women. So no, I want to make that clear, but, and I'd venture to say, and this is a later note that I have, and I think, you know, it's fine to say it now, but it felt like there are actually some, some, some good performers and competitors in the match. But for some reason we saw mostly the greener ones and mostly the ones who are not up to the task for some reason, like in in the majority of the, you know, the beginning and, 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 you know, the standout moments, well, which just was unfortunate. Yeah. And, and they are, they, they are, but they, they, uh, they're good performers in situations, that, but you're, you're asking them a lot because what you're doing, yes, I know you're, yeah. sho- you're shoehorning, not you, but like triple H triple H is asking a lot from these women to be in this featured match, but not only are they, they asked to perform in this match. Even if you just look at it as a vacuum, it's like, okay, you got to have a team cage match. Like, look, I would be green. 
So is almost anybody would be greed in these situations because they don't come up that often. You don't well, also, do war games, but yeah, at, at the same time, they are not involved in something like an angle that is heated up to the point that requires this. It's it's they're shoehorned into it because it's just that time of year. Same thing I always talk about when I'm talking about, oh, we, it's just hell in a cell time. Forget whether there's like actual animosity or whatever between people that has to be settled in a cage. Just it's it's October, so it's cage time. We're putting you in here three times. And yeah. this war games thing, like who said that there had to be a women's and a men's match every right. year? Why couldn't you just have one? And then if the women have a hot angle the next year, they can have the one and the men don't have to have one. Right. I just don't see why you have to shoehorn people into uh, gimmick matches rather than, you know, the gimmick match to fit the situation, like with uh, Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis, which we'll talk about. Yes, yes. Well, that was interesting that you said that because that was one of my notes was, you know, what often made war games work, though I would venture to say mostly it didn't work. Uh, if you ever go back and watch old oh, ones, uh, yeah. you know, because it just it was too many people, two rings. It's just really hard to follow. But what often made certain times and, and moments work was when the, you isolated a few guys here and there. But if you don't, then it's just sloppy with all these people back and forth and you kind of can't focus on anything. You can't track anything. So that would just be my big, and I think you're totally right that you're throwing these, these, uh, these, these girls into these women into a, uh, into a difficult situation. And, and I think that in some respects they're doing their best, uh, but it's, it's tough, especially when they give them 35 minutes. I mean, or, or maybe a little bit more than that. It was very, very long. Uh, and it has to be a certain length, at least, just because of the entrance, the way the, yes. the way they enter the cage and everything like that. I mean, so you you said about the war games. It's like, look, I've never been a fan of war games. I've never liked the war games. They all suck as matches to me. But those were from a time where the spectacle was, you're not, you still half-ass believe this, and so it's not like you're you're watching it with a critical eye, like analyzing these guys as workers. You're just like, oh, shit, Dusty Rhodes is in there with the horsemen. Um, it, who's going to win? You're just, lo again, looking at it like sports. Like, not everybody's an expert that can tell the quarterback which passes, you know, he needs to make but or, or the throws that he needs to make, but you know when he wins the game. Um, it's the same thing with those type of, you know, you just see the characters and then there's this spectacle and there's some blood in there and you're just really hyped because you, you want to see somebody do something. Going back and watching them now, or even watching them live, uh, you know, if I, if I had had my brain back then when I was like six, seven years old or whatever. But I was never even a, I was never a WCW guy, so I didn't grow up with the war games like that. Did you? Did you see a lot of those, like the NWA stuff back then, or did you sort of discover that later? I discovered it, I think, later, but but earlier than than like the network uh, or the 24-7 mm -hmm. era. Like I think I, in the late, mid to late nineties, I did like a, uh, you know, let me, let me rent every video mm -hmm. at the local video store, <laughs> you know, from, from Coliseum video to like whatever other one I could get my hands yeah. on. So I was privy to it, but, but again, it wasn't my favorite thing because it just felt, uh, like, you know, other than like, Oh my God, you know, Sid is released. Here we go. You know, like it was <laughs> like, you're waiting for things and it. Yeah. So, um, 
Well, to, I, to, I, to speak I, I, to that sloppiness you mentioned earlier, I, sure. I do want to say, like, that, like, how did you like um, when uh, Ember Moon tried to do that head scissor from the ground and uh, she kind of missed and Dakota Kai took a bump anyway? Like yeah. that kind of stuff you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and there was a few more, but, but hey, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I love Dakota and I, if she's listening, uh, uh, she had a great double clothesline and, um, uh, I just want to say that um, some some good moments in the match, uh, just in case you know. Uh, what, what if I end up working there in the future? Or, you know, like gonna you know, I, I want her to know that I'm a fan. Uh, but uh, this is actually uh, on par with that. Are half of all the women wrestlers uh, Australian? <laughs> yes. I feel like every time I'm like, oh, because like they introduced, or I'm not sure if she's already been on on the show or not, but the through, when she came through the crowd um that the other amazon uh she was australian um forget her name you know in, in the middle of the match uh to help candace Lorray. hmm uh andy hartwell yeah she yeah. had a neck brace on <laughs> yeah but that's another one uh you know, Australian, crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, other than that, I just, I had a huge problem with bringing in the, the toolbox and hammers because okay. it goes back to what you were saying before about we know how a hammer works and if you take the hammer and you use essentially your hand and the, the blunt end and hit them in the stomach, well, why don't you just crush their head with it and then pin the corpse mm. because that's what it's there for. Yeah. You know, and that, and that would give you an that would give you an excuse to do it because if you do it early enough, you can't score a win anyway. So yeah. it would give them time to sell the hammer shot and you know do whatever else. And like because the baby faces had the man advantage in this match, then taking one of them out by hitting them in the head with a fucking hammer would have been a decent spot to do. But I mean, let's take it even before that, Shotzi takes her time getting the toolbox while Ember Moon's getting beaten. Right. <laughs> okay. So she's like, she gets the toolbox and the crowbar from under the ring before she gets in only to voluntarily discard it upon entering immediately. Yeah. Like she just throws the toolbox in the corner and the crowbar and then yep. goes after. And then, and then uh, I think Dakota gets up to meet her, but um, you know, that's the kind of thing where you don't, you don't want to have that kind of a, you don't want to give any ammunition to the people who are looking to poke holes in this kind of stuff. So yeah. if you wanted to do the spot where Shotzi gets the toolbox and then you want an excuse for her not to use it, just have Dakota paste her right when she gets in the ring and have her drop the toolbox. Yeah. And then she doesn't even have to like, she doesn't have to sell it like she's dead. She can just be tussling with Dakota and that's why neither one of them get the toolbox because neither one of them are up on the other one. So it's a struggle and the toolbox is just sitting off to the side. And then if it goes on long enough, the toolbox gets forgotten about right. by them and by the audience, theoretically, uh, you know, but it's like, they, they don't know that man. And yeah. then, and then, and then, you know, um, finally, when somebody does get the toolbox, is Rhea Ripley and she gets the mallet out, okay? <laughs> and then she 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 hits Dakota with the mallet 
of course, in the phony way, like we were talking about. And then, um, and then she, after two shots of that, she's like, no, nah, you know what? I'm going with a belt now. Right. So she starts to hit her with a belt. Like you don't go down from a hammer to a belt. You're supposed to build up the, right. the, the stakes and everything is supposed to raise as the match goes on. Not that. And then, you know, the, after that, Tony Storm comes in and she brings in a bundle of kendo sticks. I guess you call it a bundle, right? And it's like, yeah. uh, there's, there's a hammer. There's a crowbar. No, what are you, you doing use... with these fucking sticks? No, it's bamboo. It's, it's, tough. it's tough. Yeah, bamboo tough is wood. what a panda has for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so, but well, did you? What did you think about when we heard the countdown and that big uh, double spot up on the on the ropes there? When they one, two. Did you hear that? Mm, no. So, Wait, so who was counting it, down? I don't know who it was, but I heard it. It was all of them lined up on on the top rope on and uh opposing corners um or you know one in each ring uh the nearest corners and the uh, synchronized tower of doom right yes the synchronized the synchronized bit yeah and you could hear about launching realism when you can do a synchronized tower of doom yeah and you heard one two and i was like geez you know but that but look that's it's it's fine everyone's you know it's not like it's just them all uh, of the individuals involved in this needed to do better. The ref explains the problem that you can't pin someone right towards the end of the match because mm-hmm. the, the last person hasn't come in or whatever. Mm-hmm. He explains it. You can't really hear him because he's a ref yelling in, in the ring. Uh, and if you're watching this and you don't remember the rules and you didn't see that giant infographic with a million words on it before the match started, which, you know, anyone knows if you're, doing a presentation you never put that much text on the screen that's like a huge red flag like that's just stupid so uh but anyway if you didn't read that all uh then the commentators needed to give context to what the ref was explaining but they didn't say anything so you're just like oh i guess the ref can't count the pin like it just felt so sloppy again sloppy yeah. And, um, you know, well, what can you do? Uh, something, something at some point happened that was so bad that the camera cut away from it. It was right after, um, Dakota came down with the trash can stomp. Yeah. Like when Eo's in the trash can and Dakota stomps on her to the point where she can't get her out of the trash can. Yep. And, and after that, um, after that, and she goes for a cover. Something like something was so bad that the camera just cut to Shotzi selling something. So I don't know if like I don't know if EO didn't kick out on in on three, you know, before three or something happened, but something got fucked up, and we'll never know what it was. Um, yeah. So and then of course you know they finished with a ladder power bomb, and uh, the ladder seemed to break unnaturally, mm-hmm. like it, like like. She landed on one area and the it broke in another area, kind of. I mean, it was subtle, but you could you could see it. And the heels go up in this one. I'm not sure why. I mean, these whole things are like made for blow off. So I don't yeah. see how this is going to continue um, if the heels win. So I don't know why they would. I don't know why they wouldn't just put the put the cashiers under on this one. But yeah. um, well, that's it. Yeah. Anything else to say, or we spent enough time on that? Uh, I'm, an, I'm I'm done on that. I I was I wrote not a ton down for um, 
the the next match it was didn't for me did not stand out a lot um the uh-huh. champa uh i forget who the champa and timothy thatcher so yeah. well let me go then um sure. so i don't understand stopping the match for to sell a european uppercut mm-hmm. um i just especially especially champa if you know anything about this guy uh like i i don't i don't get it I, it's one of those things i see i think he thinks like the way i the way i envision it is that in his mind he thinks that doing that is like really putting over his opponent and his european uppercut like he hit me so hard with this uppercut that i now have to stop this match as if this is real like no, 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 this isn't part of the act. I have to stop and sell. You know what I mean? Like, I want people to think that I actually got hurt on this. Like, I'm trying to work the audience um, into thinking that this is a shoot uppercut and my neck hurts. Um, but, you know, that immediately goes out the window when you just continue the match like nothing happened, you know? So, I, again, I don't understand what what the thinking of, of that is, especially considering what you won't sell. And... Yeah. um there was two double downs in a very short span. I don't know if you caught that. Um, you don't. You don't need to do two. Just one is fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, then Champa has like a ten clothesline comeback or something. And this is this really goes back to why Champa has heat with me because he, this man is like five foot nine or something, and he's clotheslining people like he's fucking the berserker or something mm-hmm. and he expects someone to like you just you wanted to show him the respect of selling his european uppercut to such a degree but now you're making him like get up and fall down like a bunch of times in a row and something that's unrealistic like you know it, it's it's impossible like you're not gonna run at a, like a guy the size of the like, a guy the size of champa is probably not going to hit anybody with a clothesline, uh, females included, on the roster, and and knock them down for a shoot, like as hard as he wants to. So to have Timothy Thatcher fall down like ten times in a row off that, it's it's almost cartoonish and it's completely disrespectful. There's not a universe in all the dimensions where he could knock Timothy Thatcher down with just his arm, um, but he does it a bunch of times here, and. Um, Hey, I, I I like Thatcher's uh, kind of crazed uh, old school look. To me, he he embodied what I think people like about Moxley, but I don't get about Moxley personally. Um, so I did like that. I thought he stood out like that. Did you notice that the commentators didn't even call the Luthez press? How do you not call Luthez press? I don't know, man. I don't know. That actually might have been in the Dexter Loomis match, actually, but. But yeah, way. he does the Thez press. Nobody yeah, in this still, match does it. But still, how do you not call that anyway? But all, all I had to say, the other extra thing I wanted to ask was, uh, or, or actually I wanted to ask one thing, which is how are they feeding in the audience feedback? And then the other thing was just a comment. Uh, the ref was too tan and his hair was too stupid. That's it. Mm. But but yeah, what's the deal with the audience feedback? Uh, how are they getting that? Is that like fake? It's, fed in? Well, yeah, or what is yeah, that? It's, it's whatever they use when any time they would pipe in crowd noise it's just crowd noise and it's constant and they have people there 
like there's there's a shoot audience there, but yeah, so yeah. they're not a lot of them. So I guess they just don't. Yeah, I don't know. The crowd, the the fake crowd noise is a plague. It's a plague right now. Um, it, it's it's dampening my enjoyment of all these shows, uh, such as it was. Um, and it, there's just no, I don't know. It, it's they're gonna look back on this. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's gonna be a situation of looking back, and that this isn't just how things are gonna be now. But um, they're gonna look back on this and just they're gonna wish they did this differently. I think. Um, Last thing I'll say about that match, just for uh, a little a little bit of uh, more technical and psychology stuff. When you touch the ropes, it's a break. It's not an excuse for like a push off, you know, like where you, you roll back off the ropes. Like once you've touched the ropes, you're out of bounds and you have to break the hold. So anybody that ever does those spots where like, you know, they got a cross face on and the person's trying to reach the ropes and they kick off the ropes and roll back to the middle, that's bullshit. Um, so anyway, uh, well, let's go to that strap match now. I don't have much to say about this, uh, this strap match. Uh, um, I, I, it's first time me, for me seeing Dexter Loomis, uh, and I thought really good look, good gimmick, kind of like if Stone Cold meets Dexter or at least Stone Cold's, um, Steve Austin's original notion of that character, the Iceman, mm-hmm. um, like that kind of serial killer sort of thing. So yeah, I was thinking he's kind of like that meets meets the character Dexter from from the show. Uh, so I was I was I thought it was pretty cool. Um, oh, so Cameron, that's why he's called Dexter. Yeah, uh, yeah, very original. And, and Loomis, Grimes, Loomis is the uh, the doctor from Halloween. Oh well, there you go. Uh, Cameron Grimes, however, is clearly WWE's answer to Joey Janela, um, mm-hmm. and that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Although and, uh, Joey Janela makes Cameron Grimes look like Batista. Yes, that's true. Uh, um, the commentator, uh, he's playing straight guy commentator just too much to a to a ridiculous level that it makes it for me difficult. Like we, I think we've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, for all you want to say about the 2000s era commentators, Todd Grisham was pretty good. And even the coach was obnoxiously good in the sense of you did want to see him get his ass kicked. And that's always helpful, I think. Um, but but the, I don't know. I think this guy is not, not great. Wade Barrett, fine. I mean, I thought he was a big Hollywood star now, but I guess he's back. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question, because uh, we're not going to talk about that match very much. Is the Vulture a reference to Taker showing up in NXT? What is that? Oh, that's... uh, (laughs) I've retired from the WWE. I'm not retired from NXT. Right. Uh, It's uh, Karrion Kross, I believe. Uh, Okay, gotcha. Who was the champion and had to abdicate because he broke his collarbone in the match that he won it in. Cool. Something like that, so... Uh, I guess it's just signaling that he's returning or about to return or thinking about returning or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Todd Grisham, you know, he's a, he looks, he ages like a fine wine Mm -hmm. at, at Grisham fight on Twitter. 
case anybody wants to follow the great Todd Grisham. Yep. He might he might lean a little further to the right than some of us like, but uh oh. Yeah. But not, uh, nothing well, nothing uh nothing egregious. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised that Joey Style was. I remember when we were working at the company and he said something or they were having a big talk about something and I was like, Really? I was like, You're like that? I was like, That just seems so weird. You just seem like somebody who gets picked on all the time. I can't see why you would that's you know, exactly uh, why, Mark. That's exactly I guess. Why. I guess uh, the, the white men that get bullied feel like they're oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now, I now it say, makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It, it sure does. Um, but uh, to the next uh, War Games match, um, my my big initial uh, commentary was uh, every guy looks too British. <laughs> like their face like it's just yeah. only, and i know some of them are not it's just they all look too british to me um, yeah, there's, there's there's actually two guys that are british oh I don't wow know if anybody else is they just look british yeah they just have um, to look they just have to look well before yeah. we before we skip ahead there but oh, i want to say one thing about the strap match is sure. that i did like that spot where he had his legs wrapped up and he he pulled the he pulled the straps, yes. took a header onto the chair. Yeah, that was good. That was good. But um other than that, forgettable. And we didn't talk about the three way, which I'm fine with. Oh right. I, we don't yeah. have to. Please okay. please don't uh, feel obligated to to talk yes. about it. Um I guess we'll just say that the Leon Ruff experiment is probably over. But then again, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Um so the men's war games, it's like, okay, now I've already, this has been a lackluster show to be sure. And again, this is not a slight on the people that are working on it. A lot of it is just a really exhausting to watch this presentation. Even just the fact of it being the crowd noise being so fake. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. exhausting to listen to for three hours. You just can't, you know, there's, it's not genuine. It would be better if it was just an empty arena and raw and just however it was, or the people that were there um, that you could hear them individually. But it's just, you know, you're, you're approaching like serious fatigue. And now we're at the point where we've already seen one of these matches. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's going to be like, also the guys that are in this match are not particularly uh, stars uh, in general. Now, the Undisputed Era, they were tailor-made for war games because they came in as a four-person group. So it's like, okay. Right. And they've been heels. And then for some inexplicable reason, they decided to kind of give them like a a, a sort of a, a, a babyface makeover, I guess, without really changing too much about what they've been doing. So they take Pat McAfee, okay, and then they, they start giving guys to him so that he can have a team. But Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch are like a jobber tag team. Okay. Mm -hmm. That just they they only won championships because of this angle that they're in. Fashion brother. Yeah, just just not like just nothing wrong with them and nothing right with them. They're just two solid guys that are boring as fuck. And then uh the you then you got Pete Dunn, which you know he's trans. He's tra he's gone undergone a, a physique transformation a little bit. He's been drinking that Florida water, as uh, Sergio and I like to say. Um, but uh, just not really like 
I don't know. It just it just seems slapped together. I don't. There's no there's no chemistry here. There, it's just very generic seeming. Uh, Undisputed Era already runs the risk of being like you're already like four undersized white guys that it like it's it's you're pushing it um and then you add you add like four other boring white guys and it's just like uh, there's no there's no real heat here i don't see the need for this kind of thing so really the only spectacle of this match is that pat mcafee is basically an ex-nfl punter who decided to become a wrestler one day uh because he's all it's always been his dream um I did see something of his, uh, I think, again, Instagram-wise, um, and I was actually impressed just because he was athletic and 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 not, like, uh, stiff or slow or weird or off. Um, I have other comments with regard to this match, but I was at least um, impressed the first time I saw him. Yeah, so so Pat McAfee's doing great. He, he's, he's, he's fine. He, he's having a lot of fun. He gets to do that. Um, but this whole this whole thing is just like an excuse for him to get in there and you know live out his uh, his fantasies. Which, again, as a fan of Pat McAfee, I don't want to disparage anything that he's doing. But I will say, like, even if you remove him from the situation, I do always find it funny how um, people say things are their dream uh, when they've had this whole other career that's over and done with, or perhaps they failed out of. Uh, Pat McAfee did not fail out of his NFL career. That's for sure. But, um, but you see this a lot like, Oh, it's always been my dream to do this. It's like, well, if it was really a dream then why weren't you pursuing it? Uh, Mm -hmm. I just don't, you know, I always have to ask that, but whatever he's here now and he's doing stuff and he's only going to be like a special attraction. So, uh, it's like, well, what if this guy that's never done any, like he's had one match ever. And what if he's in a war games kind of, this is like, it's, it's asking you to rubberneck at the uh, at the freeway accident. So here we are. Um, yeah, and I've got nothing. I've really got nothing to say about it. These guys just went from they beat the shit out of each other and went from spot to spot to spot to spot of you know what's the next big bump we're gonna take. Yeah, I mean I will say you know contrary to the the women's match that when certain individuals entered they they just entered and and did like the spots that they or you know the they came in with with energy you know i remember we were talking about owen hart uh on the watch alongs like where he came in and just amplified the moment so like roger strong coming in he brought energy he brought the clean measured style that felt crisp and and, and work for me uh the but but once other guys started coming in and doing the gimmick of grabbing chairs and ladders and sledgehammers and stuff it was like i've already seen that and it feels very telegraphed now when you do that it feels like you've lost whatever was even remotely special about the, doing that it's like if every guy is just going to come in and do that it just it seems strange um although i did like when adam cole used the fire extinguisher because that actually seems like it could work at least in you know like a smoke screen of sorts and then you hop in the ring and and clobber everybody so that seemed to get it uh uh, and uh i i i laughed when i forget his name um 
he's on the uh, in the undisputed. Uh, he said he was shouting at, McAf- at McAfee and was like, "Here's your effing chance!" And he actually said effing chance, which mm-hmm. is something that most people say when they're ready to fight, uh, as they censor themselves. Uh, that was very <laughs> strange. Um, I like that Pete Dunn is very dis- he distinguishes himself, you know, not just by look, but his sort of like uh, confidence and 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 arrogance kind of swagger and style i think he stands out i think it's cool um one of the two uh, british people in the match yes yes uh i could tell by his ridiculously fake tan uh um is it you said mcafee or mcafee how do you say it mcafee yes mcafee uh him diving backwards through a table was terrible and uh it looked just not good uh somebody must have told him like you know you can either get get punched and fall backward or you can dive halfway across the ring, uh, which made no sense. Um, why is he in sneakers? I get it. He's going to become a wrestler, but you know, I think at this point it's maybe time to get a pair of boots. Uh, and I felt like when they were all, his team was all on, on the other side of the ropes and they were getting clobbered one move after another. Remember that, that, yeah. that spot they recovered from that really quickly and and honestly it looked cool and you could have played that out a little longer where they went after uh pat but they didn't they just kind of recovered fairly quickly and and then and then uh went to defend him um and uh yeah you know um i also felt like there were some similarities between the women's match and this one like they did kind of the same spot with with pat off the top of the cage right uh it's like I know it's a different move, but it just felt like the same beat from the previous. Well, match. yeah, you you gotta have somebody jump off the cage, Mark. If there's a cage, somebody's gotta jump off it. You can't just yeah. leave a cage unjumped. I mean, it's only there to do that. Just don't worry if it makes sense or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there was that, and um, yeah, that was it. And then I think I just said that the matches were too long, so they lost the natural rhythm to make you feel like things matter. That was my my big takeaway for especially in comparison to New Japan. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I will say that, uh, yeah, my only note for this uh, particular match is um, Panama Sunrise loses again, which is. That is the uh, that is Adam Cole's like flipping pile driver thing off the. Oh yeah, yeah, off the rope, which um, no one's ever been beaten by, I guess. And then he actually beat somebody with it last time. It might have been Pat McAfee, but then, uh, you know, he's back to not winning with it. So, yeah, that's pretty much the way the way that plays out is kind of how I feel about the whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah, it's like you did you you tried to do something cool and you completely missed the point. So yep. that's war games. Yeah. I apologize for you having to watch it. <laughs> but um yeah, we're so we're 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 wrapping things up here real quick. Um I want to make one mention of the raw episode this week. Another three hours wasted, but uh there's one important thing to say, and that is that a brawl um, broke out between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre backstage and uh, Pat Buck got in there to break it up 
and um, he groped both of them. Oh. And, um, and they did not appreciate this, so uh, they beat the shit out of him and uh, threw him through a table. So he's finally got some uh, comeuppance for all the groping that he's been doing. Um, and and like as they were beating him up, it seemed like they were trying to like tear off his like suit coat and shirt. And I kind of like knowing Pat Buck, I kind of would feel like he probably told him to do that so that they could like people could see what kind of shape he's in. Right. And then they kind of like stopped trying to tear it off halfway through because they probably realized what Pat Buck was thinking. So I just think that's funny. Hmm. Um. Like, yeah, we're not putting you over. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, we talked about Kenny Omega showing up on Impact earlier in the episode. And um, so I was like, oh, God, what does this mean? Is Am I going to do the unthinkable and actually watch an episode of Impact? And the answer is yes. Yes, I did. And... Uh, there's one takeaway I have from watching the entire episode of Impact. And that is that at some point, Josh Matthews uh, was plugging Cameo. And mm-hmm. he said that he's on Cameo. And I was just thinking about how sad does somebody's life have to be that they would voluntarily pay Josh Matthews to say something. Um Judging by Impact's uh, numbers, like their ratings and and viewers, I don't think people are listening to Josh Matthews talk for free. So I can't imagine the poor soul that would actually get a cameo from Josh Matthews. But um, but who cares about that? What we really want to talk about? Yeah, and who cares about Josh Matthews? Yeah, well, I, it that was important to point out. And I also yeah. want to let people know that if they are that sad individual, that they can get a cameo from Josh Matthews. <laughs> but but uh, I don't think any of our esteemed listeners would ever sink so low. Uh, but we're all here to talk about Kenny Omega and what was he going to do? Well, um, they, they hyped this whole thing throughout the show. And Josh Matthews, again, is the one that has to go into their uh, bus that got parked on the uh, the impact lot or whatever the fuck it's called. And um, get the interview with uh, Don Callis and um, Kenny. And uh, so it it essentially amounts to them vamping for 10 minutes or so and saying pretty much absolutely nothing. So as expected, it was a huge waste of time. Nobody should have watched it. It did apparently set some some viewership records. So, um, for example, um, on Twitch, um, this interview... At over fifty-two thousand viewers, Jesus. Uh, which the previous record for highest viewers the Impact ever got was seventeen thousand. And Impact on Twitch is kind of like a twenty-four hour channel. Like when they're not airing live episodes, they're just showing all the old TNA stuff, like around the clock, just randomly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um, to put that in perspective, though, 50,000 50, Twitch viewers is absolutely nothing. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Um, it, it would be a lot um, 
for your average streamer, but like there's there's like the top the top people that are playing video games that you've never heard of on Twitch can routinely pull into the six digits. So um you know not all that impressive. It's also not impressive that you know my cable provider doesn't even carry access TV. So I couldn't watch Impact even if I wanted to the traditional way. I had to, you know, find some episode online or something. Um which is what I did here except they actually because they knew that this was going to be a thing that was going to, you know, give them a boost. They put the whole episode up on YouTube, which they normally don't do. Right. So normally they just put the highlights up and then, so this time they put the whole episode on YouTube. So I actually watched it on YouTube. Um, and, uh, yeah. So this is kind of big for impact because you had anybody that was watching AEW is now going to follow over to impact to see what Kenny says on there. Right. Um, this is th- there's no benefit for AEW uh, in doing this. Yeah, chances um, are uh, Impact fans are already watching AEW. Is my guess. Hmm. Hmm. So I mean, if if you if you watch Impact, you probably watch every wrestling there is. Right. Like, there's there's no way that exactly. you're like you're like waving the flag. Nah, man, I'm an Impact fan. I don't watch that <laughs> WWE bullshit. You know, there's no way. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, what do you think about this? And, you know, what do you think about the possible implications for, uh, promotions working together in the future going forward? I'm always a proponent of it because I think it, 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 even if you're not, uh, if you're young or you don't remember the Monday night wars, you don't remember that era of these competing, you know, uh, federations, you know, down south and up north, uh, it it still feels big. It feels uh, almost even still taboo a little bit because you know they, they don't talk about one another directly. So I think anytime you can connect those things, it it feels kind of important, even if it isn't, even if it's just you know, like I, I was a huge fan of when WWE WWF had ECW. Um, in 97, I think. I think that was just really cool to have these competing. It's almost like when you're playing with action figures and you were like, well, I can't use X-Men with uh, these Batman characters. Like, that doesn't make sense. Why not? (laughs) You know, like, it's kind of cool that the worlds collide. And I think that that, it it only can be good because it certainly isn't going to hurt. And so I, that's my take. Well, the example with the action figures is not necessarily the best one because Batman and Wolverine are in two different universes, whereas wrestling is all in the same universe and we're trying to act like it's not, or right, at least the right. WWE is. And when they, you're right, when they brought ECW in to do that stuff, that was cool. I remember thinking when, uh, the Sandman spit on Savio Vega or whatever in that, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Get that guy out of here. <laughs> I never seen ECW before. I mean, you couldn't really, I'm from California, man. We didn't get ECW. We, I had to, I had to disconnect a uh, cable from my TV 
and then like try to hold like a piece of tinfoil over my non, you know, like my non cable TV uh, on Saturday nights to try to watch hardcore TV. And even then it wasn't even on every week. So I was like, what the hell, man? And then it would be this just grainy messed up ECW and I'd try to watch it. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that that worked back then. That was cool. And the way they did it was cool because they basically said, like, we're giving these guys some time, you know, (laughs) it's almost like reluctant. uh, And, uh, you know, that that made sense. But, you know, the WWE's stance on it seems to be that if they ignore the other companies, then then that, you know, that that avoids like putting them over. I always kind of feel like if you if if you could use it to your advantage to to bury them even further, especially if you're like uh, if you're trying to hype up somebody that you just signed from somewhere else, you know, you want to know that you took from these guys, you know, I mean, that's the way I would look at it. Right. But, But they're 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 too far beyond, you know, help to ever change that. I, I, I just, I don't know the, the, the way impact is being run. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like they're weaseling their way into everything that they can. Right. Right. And this is just the latest version. So, um, it, it's really, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what do I know? (laughs) Just, just do it. Do everybody should be doing whatever they can. They're, they're still carnies. They're still trying to hustle. Tony Khan's got a lot of money. Why not take him for a, you know, take him for a ride. But if he's got all that money, why didn't he get a better sting song? Come on, man. At least get like Metallica seek and destroy because that's somewhat tied to the sting mythos, you know, but to just have some generic shit. I mean, at least I have to give WWE credit. They must have licensed uh, War Machine, you know, or rather War Pigs by by Black Sabbath for, mm-hmm. which was cool. That was I was like, whoa, didn't expect that. So I don't know. Tony Khan needs to, you know, uh, whip out the checkbook. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do, but uh, I don't know. I feel like even when there's things that people respond to positively, like the Sting thing and everything, it's like. You could have done it even better than that. When you when you feed when you feed a starving man a cracker, it's gonna be the best thing he's ever eaten in his life. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we're ready to uh, feed a starving man a cracker here ourselves. Us being sure. a starving man. Um, so uh, we'll call it done here. Um, Mark, I want to say thanks uh, for filling in. Um, it's always a pleasure and, um, and it's a privilege, uh, for you, but also for me. Uh, and, um, let's see. So want to tell the people where they can, uh, get a hold of you to tell you how great of a job you did. Sure. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, killing time 23 and I'm on Twitter killing time underscore 23. Uh, and yeah, I, I always love jumping on the show and, and helping out. Uh, I wish uh, Sergio the best with his delivering uh, opportunities. 
Um, but yeah, uh, anytime. And um, I, I, next time we do a watch along, I'll pick better shit. Well, some of it's my fault. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> you know, well, first of all, I approved it. And uh, second of all, um, you know, I uh, not only did I approve it, but I told you to pick them. So it's double. <laughs> it's doubly my fault. Uh, but I didn't I didn't remember that Steve Austin match being that bad. No, me neither. And, and honestly, though, I love the fact that we saw that one weird heel kick by by Taker where I sent I sent Jamie uh, on Instagram. Um, I think it was like a Japanese match or something. Yeah. And I said I, I texted him or I sent him a message and said, Taker, is that you? Yeah, because uh, it was just a bizarre move for him to do. But I'm shocked. Why didn't I choose Austin Taker? SummerSlam, Highway to Hell, baby. Oh, that, that song, that match, that match sucks too. Oh, like, <laughs> and and that's why it was so funny because at the start of the watch along, I mentioned how they've said they've never had any chemistry, like in matches together, and uh, that ended up playing out to be true in that match as well. Um, yeah. They they've never had good matches. It's just one of those things. But they um, always was, had good good interactions, like at yeah. the end of a raw, like if yeah. if Taker, Taker had to give Austin the last ride or Austin mm-hmm. stunned him, like they always worked well in in those capacities. So, so what you're saying is giving somebody a stunner works. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah, and I was trying to think too, like as that happened, I was like, who does that kick? It was Booker T. That's who I was thinking. Yes, that's what it is. Yes, you're right. I, I, in the moment, I was like. Yeah, just my brain froze and I couldn't think of it. But yeah, it was the Undertaker did that Booker T hooking kick that he does. Yeah, uh, which is so fucking weird. But hey, yeah. Um, So yeah, Um, so that's gonna that's gonna do it. If we ever have a watch along again, Um, we'll try to try to do something better. Um, As for me, uh, you can find me at Opinion Haver everywhere. And um, that's going to do it for us. We have been two in and we are now out.